0: By speaking with local creators, artists, and business professionals, PaperCut aims to cut deep and demystify the Winnipeg creative industry with hometown heroes and hidden gems.
1: Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place for over 30 years to see live music in Winnipeg. Welcome to PaperCut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche.
0: I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we are here with Jorge Requena Ramos.
1: Nice.
2: Nice.
0: Yes. Very good. Tell, Tell us, a us a little li- bit, bit about bit. yourself. That's your
2: line. That's what I do every time. I um, am a multidisciplinary artist. Um, I'm a filmmaker, theater director, musician, um, photographer, and I've been living in Winnipeg for 15 years. I have moved here from Mexico City, which at the time was the largest city in the world. Um, And I found tremendous inspiration in uh, the province of Manitoba, and so I decided to stay.
1: Fantastic. So you were...
0: I just learned so Sorry. much about you. I just thought <laughs> you intro. were a musician.
1: Yeah, so you wear a lot of hats. You're wearing one right now, obviously. Which would you say... Are you a musician first? A filmmaker first?
2: Depends on the day. I uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's Like how I get out of it. I mean, if I have to go to a, a film set, then I'm a filmmaker. And if I have to go to a show, then I'm a musician. Um, but they're, all of those things are living in my head constantly, which makes it complicated. And mm-hmm. it makes it for not very... Um, not a lot, not a lot of uh, downtime, but um, it's you know things have have to come out somehow.
0: Yeah, which mariachi goes is a great way for all of that to come out. It exactly, seems. Yeah. that's why
2: it has a uh, you know a visual element as well as a music musical element.
0: So for people that have never seen your band before, which would be nearly impossible in Winnipeg, <laughs> you're absolutely everywhere. Um, but tell us a little bit about uh, that band and that project, and how it is visual, visually and audially
1: sound. Mm. What's the word? Uh, vi- mm.
2: Acoustically? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, the correct word? You're just running um, the interview now. <laughs> 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 um, the Mayachi Ghost is was never supposed to be just a band, and that, not that, not that it, just a band is a bad thing, you know? I love music, and I love watching just bands, but the Mayorchigos was always supposed to be uh, an experience a theatrical experience, a musical experience a contemporary dance experience um, a board of like different ways to communicate the ideas of the stories that we're t- trying to tell to the audience and um, I realized that it was really complicated to just use music to try to tell a story, there's a lot of limitations and especially when the music is in a different language than the majority of the people that are listening to it And so we decided to use contemporary dance, uh, makeup, and um, mariachi suits to sort of convey this um, imaginary Mexico where the stories take place. And so put people in a place where they can sort of detach completely from their day and come to a show and let themselves go into the show. Um, And then at the end of the show, they can go back to their life. We were hoping that they can... Um, exercise their sadness by listening to really, really sad music and experiencing that sorrow through our music and then go home and be happy, uh, which is, you know, what sad music does.
0: So are mariachi bands typically sad? Um, like, the, what is the difference between, uh, in quotes, mariachi band, like, actually, and then mariachi goes?
2: Um, a mariachi band is a traditional Mexican style of music, one of many. Um, that that has become really popular in all of Mexico and Central America. Um, And the uh, mariachi bands, uh, uh, the name uh, came came from the French maviash, and they're from an area in Mexico where there was a lot of French people, and they were actually wedding bands that had three or four people that would go to people's weddings and play at people's weddings. Um, and little by little, that style of music started expanding into different regions of Mexico and sort of acquiring other chunks of music that were in those regions and becoming a really complicated, intricate thing, kind of like flamenco in Spain, you know, it grew into this idea. Um, and then it was cemented into the culture of Mexico through television in the 1940s and 50s. The idea of a mariachi band became... Um, this visually intricate, you know, big, huge sombrero and like, you know, like embroidered suits and very complicated things became um, um, a fixture of Mexican culture. And they actually added a brass section and they added violins and things that weren't normally in a band. They had been done, but weren't all there all the time to sort of cater to television audiences. And so they wanted themselves, kind of like the Mayachigos, to be more visual and more attractive uh, to a broader audience, and so they added that. Um, It kind of mixes the Mexican sport of charreria, which is the Mexican rodeo. Um, That's where the actual embroidery of the suits came from, because those uh, those guys actually embroidered the suits like that. And it's actually leather so that they could be protected from the riding of the horse. But they started becoming really intricate leather things. And so artists started making them. They got expensive. And then the mariachis wanted to use them. And, and it became that. Um, I wanted to use a word that p- put people in, in Mexico immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the majority of people understand what a mariachi is, what a mariachi band is. Um, and the second this, the, the word is there, people are like, oh, okay, it's going to be Mexican music. It's actually been complicated because people think we're a mariachi band. And we get requests to come and play people's weddings and like, you know, <laughs> really? confirmations and baptisms all the time. Oh wow! Um, and uh, and I have to explain. Actually, we're a proc rock band, so like, we're we're not gonna you're not gonna like it the way you think you're gonna like <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Unless you have a bunch of fourteen year olds there, it's gonna, not gonna be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting.
0: So, uh, so the ghost part of it is kind of like that sadder part because I imagine mariachi bands aren't playing like sad music at a wedding or do they
2: well yeah yeah. There's, there's a, there's definitely see the idea of sadness that a north american culture has it's a very sort of one directional thing um and latin american traditions and in, in spanish traditions and like the the gitano traditions the roma people that live in spain um the idea of sadness is always a part of the idea of happiness And there's never just a straight sadness. It's always like a complicated sadness. There has to be a a reason why that sadness is not just utterly sad, right? Um, And sadness is a condition of life. So there isn't a perfect love. There isn't a perfect love without sadness, Mm -hmm. right? There isn't a perfect experience that doesn't include more than one experience, um, more than one feeling. And so... Mariachi music can be just jolly and happy, and you know, like one one one-dimensional in that way, and that's like kind of the tourist stuff that you get when you go to like a tourist spot and they're playing songs. But there's a lot of really incredible, super sad music that uh, that is traditional Mexican music, not necessarily mariachi, but um, there's a need to express those feelings in every genre and in every genre of music. And, And part of the idea of the mariachi ghost is that we wanted to use whatever tool we had, whether it was like punk rock or prog rock or jazz, that had the same emotional compass pointing at the same direction as this mariachi song that is very sad. And so you get the same exact feeling from that mariachi song than from this punk song that is very sad. And when you put them together, even if it doesn't make sense musically, quote-unquote, or like the genres are not, you know, obviously um, easy to to mix because the emotional um, idea is there, it's so easy to do it because you know they're, they're go- there's going to be a way to do it because the emotion is right. And so that's kind of how we came into that. And the Day of the Dead part is because the story that we were telling in the original album is that there's, um, there's a man who has a fractured psyche and he doesn't know if he's dead or alive. And when he thinks he's dead, he becomes this super powerful thing that punishes... Sinners, quote unquote, but they're like people who are uh, unfair and unjust and, uh, and takes back for the people. And when he is alive, he is an utter mess um, of, of weakness and trying to figure out um, his life, you know. Mm-hmm. And so he's this broken hero of, uh, of this region of Mexico where my parents grew up called Colima, and all of the songs were sort of about archetypes of the people of Colima and the good people of Colima and the bad people of Colima and how in in Latin American uh, culture, the rich are there to take and the rest of us are there to give it to them. And, he, you know, he's there to sort of stop that. Um, and uh, the Day of the Dead aesthetic really helped me explain that to people. People understood the Day of the Dead aesthetic. They understood that that, that there was sort of a supernatural idea of the band. And uh, and that's why we decided to, like, keep the makeup keep the suits for every show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because we want people to go into that supernatural right away.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So, the makeup. <laughs> do you take that <laughs> off right after a show? Or do you, like, sometimes walk around, but, like, in regular clothes, like...
1: And how long does it take? That was actually <laughs> yeah. my next question. Yeah. How we long?
0: We have makeup questions. The
2: now. original version of the makeup took about two and a half hours to get the whole band done. Wow. wow. And so... You know, and this is very interesting to me, like I now that I'm like watching bands come and set up you know for a living. Um for us we always have to be early to a show. We always have to sound check, like do all the all the load in and sound check quickly and then go and get our makeup done. And that two and a half hours that it gives you at the venue thinking about the show Getting your makeup done—it mm-hmm. really set, puts us into the right mindset to get on the stage. Like you, you really want to get on the stage once you get the makeup and the suit on. You know, it's it's an, a little a, a bit of extra commitment to to do the gig, and and uh, and you know we have to have we have to be showered and and, and clean because the, the makeup only goes on a clean face, right? Um, you know, it, it, and once you were wearing a suit and makeup, you want to do your hair. Like it, it just helps us get onto that. You know. um mindset and it's very very helpful um i don't take it off every time right away some of the guys like they just want to get out of it mm-hmm. um and it's not it's not we use really expensive makeup it's the same stuff that the Cirque du Soleil uses mm-hmm. um but i enjoy actually having it on and like walking around the crowd with the makeup and, and i've met people that have met me at shows that we've talked five or six times that I then have shaken their hand without the makeup, and they don't know who I am. Really? They're like, uh, you seem familiar. I'm like, yeah, I'm Jorge from the Mariachi Ghosts. And they're like, oh my god, I could not recognize <laughs> you without the makeup. I've right.
1: actually seen you walking around, I think it was at the Pyramid, in full makeup. And I wouldn't have been able to tell that this was your real face.
2: Yeah, it's <laughs> the exact same situation. Your real face. It, it, does, it does help that that part of the stagecraft that, you know, And yeah. I mean, I, I go to 7-Eleven and get you know, a taquito or whatever at the end of the night. And the 7-Eleven staff is usually, like, <laughs> Really? From 7-Eleven? Well, I was just, like, ma- making up, a, like, a, oh, what, well, like I mean, a McDonald's or, like, whatever. I was,
0: I was just curious that yeah. you said that you got taquitos from 7-Eleven because I'm yeah. like, is, are they good? Is I just, that... <laughs> I just, I just
2: want to be clear. I would never get taquitos. <laughs> okay,
0: okay.
2: Yeah. Um, I want to go back
1: to, you were talking about the album, and it, it's telling a story mm-hmm. um, front to back. How does that change your songwriting process?
2: Um It makes it a lot more complicated because the music and the dance and the makeup and the suits are there to serve the story and so um the last album the new album took um seven almost seven years to write wow because first we wanted to use new influences, more traditional Mexican music expand the idea of what traditional the the traditional genres that we were using in the music. People in the band had to learn those genres right like learn to play them well so that we could then dissect them and put them into our music in some way shape or form and um a lot of them had to like learn more spanish and then we were trying to create something that was in the almost in the genre of magical realism which is a literary genre from latin america and in order to understand that they had to read Magical realism books. And so it's, it was more like a PhD dissertation than an album. We had to do a lot of research. We came up with new, with new makeup. Uh, we got new suits. We just got them, like, in the nick of time to, uh, to do the, the planetarium show and the, the city release. Uh, they're a, co- a collaboration with Levi's and, um, and a house of artisans that does fashion, high fashion in Mexico City. Oh, wow. Um, with um, traditional embroidery styles and traditional fabric uh, fa- from indigenous peoples in Mexico. Um, and so, all of those things are there so that people can feel this like tangible reality of the story that we're trying to tell, um, and which in this case is more a traditional, um, sorry, a more uh, surreal thing than the than the last. Um, and in order to be able to create a chapter of the story as a song, the song needs to feel like the chapter of the story. And so, the chapter of the story actually needed to be written down. And we there's a script to the album. We actually did a play in Halifax to, with a whole script with all of the music. And if we had just then done the music and written the album and recorded it, it would have been pretty good. But because we were able to actually fully develop the story into an actual story with acts, you know, and different characters with different voices, that informed the process of the album massively. And, and, and it allowed us to sort of go deeper into that and create something that feels like you're listening to a movie rather than... Um, I mean, every good album is going to give you something, but that's what we wanted to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, it's fully immersive too. Mm-hmm. So you said you you did the play in Halifax only? Mm-hmm. Would you do it in Winnipeg?
2: We are going to do it in Winnipeg. It's just it's there's 21 performers. Mm. Um, you know, it's a lot of rehearsing and a lot of uh, a lot of singing, and so um, it's you know heavy. It's a heavy economical left to like be able to do it. So we have to find partners to put it together.
0: Oh, that's exciting! Wow.
1: Yeah, that's really cool.
0: So, uh, where does your theater and photography background come from, and what type of projects have you done with that?
2: Um, a filmmaker. So, uh, I went to film school here, and I was a member of the Black Hole Theater while I was in film school. Um, and I did a couple of plays with the Black Hole Theater. Took a couple of theater courses. Um, I did theater when I was in Mexico in high school. That was, uh, you know, my elective or whatever. I did it through through high school. Um, and f- film is the mixture of theater and photography, um, and and music, um, and so um, I when I was in university, I decided to teach myself how to take photos really well, because um, it's you can't be a really good film director if you don't know what you're talking about when it comes to lenses and speeds and um, how a camera really captures what you're trying to convey, mm-hmm. um, and so I uh, I spent. You know, years taking photos. I don't like take photos to try to give them to people. I tr- take photos to sort of practice my my craft, um, and um, that's how, that's how I like that relationship between film kind of developed my relationship with theater and my relationship with with photography.
1: What are some of your favorite things to shoot?
2: Um, I like shooting place actually. Um, I, I I don't know what it is, but I, I like shooting people performing um there like there's this raw emotion that people have when they're on a stage and it's complicated to find the actual moment that I like is when people actually let go of the person they are and they go into the character that they need to be and they, they become the person that the character is um and feel the emotions of the of the character that they're that they're portraying um i feel like there's just a, a shred of reality that, that gets completely vanished away. And, uh, and that's kind of what I'd like to photograph. And that can happen on, on a, for a musician on a stage. Uh, and it can happen for an actor in a movie. And it can happen for an actor on, or a dancer in a contemporary dance piece. Um, I, I really like shooting dance um, when it comes to, um, when it comes to moving images, the like video or film. Um, there's, the mechanics of the body are so interesting and and there's so much there's so much to say without words and that's just incredible to see and and I like to capture it as much as i can uh
0: so the relationship between you your lyrics and the dancer mm-hmm. your dancer um is there is that scripted as well is Doing that like improv, or is that all part of the show?
2: It's not. It's not scripted in the same that, way that it wouldn't be scripted for a contemporary dance piece. But there is a, a like tangible understanding of what the emotionality of each movement of the songs are, and we have long conversations. Alex and I have long conversations about um, what she needs to be feeling, what the what the idea of this where the idea of the song came from. Um, key words in the song that sort of describe the feelings that are that are interesting Alex has uh, like a superpower where she can listen to the song a couple of times and then find something to do that would carry out the same emotion and it uh, uh, some some of the time it doesn't take any conversation it's just she knows what it is Mm -hmm. Um, which I I don't know that I don't know that every dancer can do that that's something that Alex can do and I know for sure Um, and it's an experience. The, the work that she does in front of us is complicated for for us to see when we're playing, when we're performing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've taped so many performances and just kind of watched so many performances to the to a point where we're like, we just know Alex is going to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, she's never done the wrong thing, um, which is as a as a director, you know, that directs performers. That performers do something not wrong but different than what you want like 90% of the time and you have to chisel it into something that you both agree on yeah but with alex i mean i i've given alex direction on some things and give her keywords and show her the music and then i i like she goes on the stage and um brings the audience right to us it's it's incredible
0: yeah the perfect match yeah that's exactly what you were talking about with like clicking into that perfect harmony that's amazing mm-hmm. so do you want to talk a little bit about west end cultural center sure and your position there sure you're brand new
2: congratulations uh, thank you so much i'm brand new um although i'm not new to the west end we played there maybe six or seven times mm-hmm. um i've been there to shows many many times um i live four blocks from the western cultural center and i love music so it's very accessible to me um Touring uh with the band, playing in different festivals and stuff like that. Um I made a lot of friends with uh musicians that come to play at the Western Cultural Center. There's a an um an air of respect for the venue and what we do um all over Canada. And so that was a, a part thought a, something I wanted to be a part of. Um you know, Ben Kaplan, Tara Lightfoot, like people that are that I have love love and respect for, Tiny Tagak that I've hung out with in social situations that I've come to see play at the Western Cultural Center um, that are taking over stages all over Canada and the world. And we get to have that in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when the post came up uh, for the job, I was like, this is something I would, I would really love to do. This What's is the something. position? The um, I'm the artistic coordinator. So basically, I, um, it's my job to outline what the artistic direction of the venue is going to be. Huge yeah it's yeah. huge it's yeah. especially for, for somebody that like loves um, to think about those things mm-hmm. you know
0: so sorry I interrupted you were saying when the job position came up you.
2: yeah I jumped on it I it was like this is a perfect opportunity I also have a six month old baby and filmmaking is terrible for hours mm-hmm. um, it's very satisf- satisfactory as, as an artist if you're um, doing it for your own ideas but um, it's very terrible for like family life and so I decided to sort of put it to the side for a little while. Not completely. Like, it's kind of impossible for me to stop doing other things. Um, But, um, you know, dedicate myself to the West End a little bit.
1: Well, and this is also a way for you to be able to organize, direct, you know. And you wear a lot of hats. And this is, I guess, a way for you to still be able to have that kind of direction Mm -hmm. moving forward.
2: Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And collaborate with other artists, which is really the the interesting part.
0: So what... Is your artistic vision slash direction for the West End? Is it the same as it's always been, or um, a new approach?
2: I mean, my um, the way I think of music is, I think that that um, I think we need more diversity, and not that the West End hasn't done efforts to to showcase diversity, but I think we need more um, first person people of color that are doing stuff for themselves to come into the Western Cultural Center and do things. And, and there's a, there's a two tier thing that is related to that. one is we need to find those artists that are already working. And two is we need to help artists that are already in Manitoba that are coming from all over the world that don't have a platform and help them acquire the platform and pair them up with, uh, you know, uh, well-recognized musicians to put together shows um, and develop their own careers musically so that we can have that in our city, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is incredibly valuable. Um, I want to do a little bit more theater at the West End, oh. which is complicated. Theater theater shows are much more complicated to put on than, than music shows. Um, and they require a lot more time and effort and money. But um, it's also that it's, it's something very important for, for the neighborhood, um, Winnipeg Central, to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Very valuable for to sort of explain diversity and to help us achieve parity and stuff like that. Is uh, like th- theater carries a lot of weight, um, and it uses a lot of performance, which is also great, really great. You know, the, the, how many artists you have on the stage mm-hmm. increases by a lot. Um, I have a lot of respect for the the work that the Western has done. It's you know a well recognized folk venue. Um, every folk artist in the country has played it and wants to play it again. Um, but I also want to expand uh, the idea of what that means. Just like, like I, I'm not, I don't believe in genre in music. I feel like labels are restrictive. They're shackles for artists that you know. If you have to, if you have to, just perform in this particular genre, uh, restrictions you're restricted. That's that's what it is, right? If you only play punk music, you run run out of tools the second you start playing a jazz chord. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are gonna not like it because it's not punk, right? And so I, I kind of want to shatter those walls and bring acts that are more, um, that are more mixed in in genre and mixed in um, in culture. Like, when's the last time you saw a Filipino band play anywhere in Winnipeg? And we have thirteen percent Filipino population, and right. you know, thirteen percent of the of Manitoba speaks Tagalog at home. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that's not something that the rest of us are exposed to. Um, it's just one example of things that I'd like to do as an artist to help artists that are Filipino come into the venue and do music in Tagalog. And so that we can all experience it and it'll make our brains grow a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll tell this that generation of young Filipino artists that it's cool for them to be themselves. It's cool for them to be who they are at home, um, which I think is really important.
0: Mm hmm. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic.
0: I had a question that I lost in this amazing... <laughs> I mean, um, well, I do have one more question. Yeah, it, uh, and it was sure. kind of
1: touching on when we were talking about the band earlier. Did you ever have a chance to bring them to Mexico? Uh, we haven't yet.
2: Um, it's... Mexico, Mexico's post-colonial understanding of what Mexico is, is really complicated. Like, Mexicans want to be not Mexican. Why is that? Because we were, during colonialism, we were taught that being Mexican was below being European. And so there were there were incredible efforts to make Mexico more European. Incredible efforts to make make Mexico more European. So when the Baroque was going on in, in Europe, there was a Baroque version in Mexico called Churrigaresco, which is more Baroque than Baroque. We wanted to be more Spanish than the Spanish, more Italian than the Italian. And so... Um, now Mexico wants to be more American than the Americans in a way. And so when and there there is a movement of revivalism of culture that is really cool and has sort of taken root in, in this the, the core of Mexico City and where people are like really proud to be Mexican and they explore their identity as Mexicans and uh in, in that way. But that also means, you know, I'm Mexican and I like punk rock and I that's punk rock is Mexican and it's mine. And you can't take that away from me.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: when you tell them that they should listen to the Mariachi Ghost, that's not what they want. They don't want to think about Mariachi. They don't want to think about traditional stuff. They want to think. They want to move forward into the future. And so, in a way, the fact that we're honoring traditions has actually kind of hurt us in the Mexican market oh. because because they don't understand with just the name of the band what we do. Right. Um, And so that's a bit of a marketing challenge for us. We have to go to Mexico and play shows, which is very expensive because there's a million of us (laughs) and, uh, and showcase our music to, to an audience that is bound to fight it before they understand and like it. Mm -hmm. Um, and we do have some fans in Mexico, which, which we're very thankful for. And you know, there's, uh, I think our second biggest listenership is in Mexico. Our first biggest listenership is in Peru, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how that happened. Um, and so those people are hopefully going to help bring us there. We know that in the internet and like in like online circles, the band is well recognized in in Mexico. But radio tracking, like it's like nothing. And radio tracking in Mexico City, like any radio station has hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand listeners daily, right? So if you're a band that gets played on the radio regularly, you probably have a million followers on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Radio is really important in Mexico, and so we haven't been able to crack that nut. Interesting. Mm.
0: That is well. all things that I would have never guessed, which yeah. is why we have people on the show. Yeah, this is really <laughs> Wow.
1: <laughs> it's almost like we know why we do this now.
0: Yeah. So, what is your next year looking like with um, your position and the future of the West End Cultural Center and the band, and maybe hopping back on some of your theater stuff again?
2: Yeah, <clears throat> so um, the play. Describe
0: the whole next play. <laughs> will have
2: will have what happened at one point. Um, we the for the Western Cultural Center. We just la- launched Winter Ruption, which is uh, our winter, quote unquote, festival. Um, it's just a collection of shows that we're working on with uh, Real Winnipeg and with uh, the Goodwill um, and Excuse. Uh, we want to bring people to the core of the city. We want to bring people to the West End. And we have Coleman Hale and John Bryant. And we have Alex Mark coming from Vancouver and Evangeline Gentile coming from Toronto, uh, Canadian artists. And then a whole bunch of locals. Uh, we got a show by Leonard Sumner with Nick Sherman um, and Heidi uh, Wright, which is the, who's a 17-year-old a uh, girl from TechBop that you know sent us videos that she wanted to play a show and she won our hearts and we decided to give her a, the big stage.
0: I remember my question from before yeah. and I'll, I'll tack it on to this right now. My question was when you have big artists coming from across the world, Canada, states, all that, do you try to pair them with local artists as their openers and is that your job to do or do they pick who their opener is?
2: That is my job to do. Um, John Bryan, for example, is bringing an opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happening right now very commonly is that a member of the band has a solo project mm-hmm. and they are already getting paid to be there okay. and so the managers will be like you're opening every show across Canada mm. which is good for them for their solo projects um and good for the bottom line of the act in general and mm-hmm. so we've had a couple of those um but we're pushing back a little bit trying to add another performer it's just a show cost that comes out of the bottom line of the show right um but it's we um for column and hell where um we're letting evangeline gentile open for him she's a, a toronto artist but um uh, it's important for us to be showcasing female artists on, on stages on bigger stages with bigger audiences mm-hmm. Um so we thought that was important and uh it's but but we get musicians emailing us every week being like i'd love to open a show when this band is playing or um, i'm available to open up for for whomever is coming around, and so we listen to the music and try to pair them up as best we can with music that is more or less like like their own and like and, and the understanding of Jorge doing the job, if I feel like there's an emotional component that is similar from this musician to this musician. I don't care if it's the same genre and mm-hmm. I don't care what the managers think because yeah. I think people are gonna enjoy it. Right. So you wanna encourage people
1: to, to keep sending in requests, send in their stuff?
2: Definitely. And and I'm I mean CD releases like we are we're we've done so many, but every every act in Winnipeg, if you're listening and you wanna have a CD release, come to the Western Cultural Center. The reason it's important for you to do that is because our mandate is to help Artists develop their careers and we are able to take a bit more of a risk than other places without, you know, shooting down anybody. Every venue in Winnipeg is cool. Um, but also we will show you, we will open the, the like spreadsheet of how a show works. So that when you're on tour you will know what those spreadsheets look like so that you know like we'll help you develop those skills usually managers do that but it's great for musicians to know that
1: that's some yeah. valuable knowledge it's yeah. like
0: a bit of a wrap around artist support exactly. that's so cool
1: right so uh what would be the best way for them to contact
2: bookings plural bookings dot wecc.ca is my email um for anything related to any show ideas or anything artistic that you wanna that you want to happen at the West End Cultural Center, and not just music, not just music. Great. We'll do photo shows where we're throwing a in Valentine's market. Uh, you know, for makers, we we want to support all sorts of artists. Cool. That's okay, so, cool.
0: so I again interrupted sort of your train of thought. We were talking about your year and that that was the West End Cultural Center. All of these shows coming up, and then a little bit more about your other projects for the band
2: and the Yeah, the band we're up. booking some shows in the US. Um, I don't know I don't have a crystal clear view as to what's what what's going to be, but it's great that it's happening and that's happened to start happening in November. That's usually a good sign. It's a bad sign when it starts happening in March. Yeah, um, which yeah. so I'm I'm happy that it's already happening. Um, and it'll like the the reason I I'm still going to go play shows and tour and the, the festivals is because it's actually good for the West End. Um, for me to be exposed to other Canadian acts and other musicians and I'd be in touch with them, have their phone number, you know, go see their shows, know exactly what they're playing um, and uh, and bring them over.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And one more question, which I didn't ask and I'm so interested. How did you learn how to sing or where did you learn how to sing or did someone teach you how to sing? Because um, it's incredible.
2: Thank you. Uh, my you mom's a wheel. choir teacher. <laughs> my mama. My mom... Is I mean she's not a musical teacher. This not a music teacher. She's a choir teacher. She teaches choirs how to sing. Mm-hmm. She's in the magisterial choir now, and she's retired. Um, she won the national national anthem competition a couple times with her choirs, and uh, she was very a very strict teacher um, of singing when I was little. Mm-hmm. Uh, singing was very important in our house. Music was very important in our household.
0: Do you have siblings?
2: I have two siblings. One is. Um, an outright musical genius. Wow. Uh, and my sister only plays keyboards, but she, it's, a, it's, a part of, it's a part of her life. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my brother, um, he's art, his artistic name is Klimt Young. You can find him on YouTube. He is a Japanese-speaking, Mandarin-speaking jazz artist that reclaims traditional Asian music and rebuilds it as jazz. Whoa. It's very complicated and super nerdy. Um <laughs> that and Is that plays, where the genius part comes in? He plays every instrument. Like he's never not been able to play an instrument. The first time you give it to him, he'll know how to play it. I don't know how like it's like here's a violin, okay? Here's a saxophone, okay. I don't know exactly what happens in his brain. Wow. Um, and even if he doesn't understand what the mechanics of the inter- inter- instrument if you like walk away for 15 minutes and come back he'll be playing it hmm. um, and so he plays everything on his, on his YouTube videos he's like a one man orchestra that's thing.
1: incredible really? so do you guys draw inspiration from each other?
2: yes, I mean the other thing is like he's my younger sibling and he doesn't want to be like me so he's oh, making yeah. great efforts to be very different. <laughs> it's, the, it's so much easier to be the older sibling because you can do whatever you want. Yeah, and then yeah. If he wants to go the other way, that's he has to push. Yeah, you know? that's his own thing. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting.
0: So then, can he sing as well?
2: He can sing as well. Yeah, and he he's uh, he was never really attracted to singing. In recent years, he started doing it because he wanted to use his Japanese and Mandarin skills. Japanese and Mandarin skills, and he's doing like polyphonic like. When you two parts of your throat are engaged at the same time, wow. so that you can like super high notes and super low notes. Um, again, he figured out <laughs> how to work the instrument you know, in a very nerdy way, and so he's that's what he's doing. But
0: he's not in Winnipeg.
2: He's not in Winnipeg. He's in Mexico City. He okay. he wanted to move to Winnipeg when he was younger, but again, older brother already did that. Oh yeah, so yeah he's it moving to, to like Taiwan. You know. I think. Yeah.
1: Fair, well, amazing. Thank well, you so much, Jorge. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, this was amazing. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so much information. Thank you so much for sharing all Thank of you. that with us. Appreciate come it. Ha- come
2: hang out on Interruption. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes.
0: I'll be there. My good friend's own excuse. Ah, so, great. So I'll yeah. be there regardless. There's but some the really shows great shows. The shows look so good. So it so so good yeah. 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 It's, it's getting bad. I was just talking to um, Adam Soloway. Like yesterday, and I was like, You need to stop putting on all these good shows. Like, you got to do some duds so I don't have to go to them because I can't afford <laughs> save to save a little do bit of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's like, Well, y- you can miss this one and then go to this one. And it's like, No, I want to go to all of them. Yeah. Like, stop making good shows. See, so we didn't have so enough cool. time to
2: make a festival ticket this year. Yeah. To actually, work out what the festival ticket would look like because it's economically complicated mm-hmm. to put together yeah. a festival ticket. But um, next year we'll be able to put together a festival ticket where you're just walking around the West End and you can go to different shows and we'll time them so that you can be walking around oh, the neighborhood and so watch cool. different shows, oh my God. which is why Montreal Jazz Fest is so cool, because like the whole core of the city is Montreal Jazz Festival, and yeah. you can just walk around and they actually time the stages, so like there's a stage here and another one at the end of the block, and you'll finish the show, and that one will start, and so you have to walk to that one now, you know, and so that's kind of what we want.
0: That's great that there's a person that lives in the West End that's you yeah. trying to do this because uh there's even in other neighborhoods around the West End, there's such a stigma. I work in the West End too mm-hmm. at Spence Neighborhood Association, mm-hmm. so a block away from you. And it's just like this, some of those stigmas are just so wrong. And yeah. all of these states, like so much culture and it's so wonderful. And having someone that actually lives in the West End that's yeah. going to be putting on a festival like this and planning things and saying, you just walk to the end of the block and that's fine. Like that's just...
2: Yeah. Like I'm not afraid to walk around in my neighborhood. Yeah. Well, the people tell me they're afraid to come it's like, I don't know, man, downtown. Like, mm. like it's, the, it's just the coolest part of the city, I'm sorry. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's just more
0: people there. Yeah. That's
2: just <laughs> the Like is there any other place that you can get shawarma and then cross the street and get foe? No. In Winnipeg? I don't think so. And Winnipeg around things? I'm
1: like the best foe. And yeah. Like <laughs> foe,
2: yeah. yeah, it's
1: unreal. Thank you so much. Thank you again. And thank, thank you, you for cutting, cutting deep, deep with, with us on Paper Cup podcast. podcast. Thanks.